Hello and welcome to the Body Resilient Mum podcast. I'm your host, Louise Hurley, and I am here to elevate your body image one conversation at a time. Most of us have grown up believing that a thinner, smoother, tighter body and face is better. And if we have these things, then we have succeeded and we'll live happily ever after. When we've been surrounded by this message all of our lives, in some form or other, we tend not to question it. It's just the way of the world. But have you ever stopped to wonder whether these standards that we've been holding ourselves to are even possible to achieve? And if we do try to match these standards, like losing weight or trying to remain wrinkle and dimple free, is it actually healthy? As mums, we feel under so much pressure to succeed in all areas of life, including trying not to look like we've grown and birthed a tiny human. This podcast will encourage you to challenge your long-term beliefs about what your body should look like and help you to move from a place of conflict with your body to a place of peace and acceptance. Welcome back to another week of the Body Resilient Mum podcast. This week, it is just me. You get me all to yourself, no other guests. And that is because I want to talk about how we can help our children build body image resilience. I was wondering whether I should say daughters or children. Originally, I was going to say daughters because it's often our daughters and teenagers in early adolescence, going into early adulthood, um, that are most affected by body image. But actually, I think now social media is used by probably 99.999% of the population, especially in teenagers. Um, I think it's really important to teach this stuff to sons as well. So this is how to help your children build their body image resilience. Remember back to when you were a teenager. For me, it feels like such a long time ago, but I remember how confusing it was, how you know, difficult it could feel sometimes to try and fit into different social groups. You're kind of, kind of trying to be your own person, but at the same time, you're trying to fit in with everybody else. And then there's the, the pressure to look a certain way as well, depending on which kind of group of people you're trying to fit in with um, and what is fashionable and popular at the time. Now, take that before we had social media and before the internet was so widely used and apply it to now. Can you imagine the pressure that young people are under because of the because of the direction that this pressure comes from like it is literally everywhere and when they have social media and not just social media but when the media is so readily accessible it's in their pocket it's literally there 24 7. Um, I feel that what we had or the pressure that we felt when we were teenagers is just magnified for young people today which is why it is so important that we can teach them body image resilience because we can't stop technology, we can't stop how people receive information, but we can teach our children how to take that information in and then what they do with it. So let's dive in, shall we? Straight away, let's get into it. I split this podcast up this week into several sections. I'm going to talk about the importance of the language that we use as parents, both how we talk about ourselves and how we talk about our children as well. What we do has a massive effect, how we educate our children on what health really means. We can curate what they see on social media and we can educate them about what to do when they do see something in the media. We can lead by example. Um, we can also look at how we link food to rewards or how we treat food, how we might glorify some foods. And we can lead by example, which I've kind of already mentioned, but to round it up, I'll talk about how we lead by example. 
Ooh, I feel like there's a lot to cover and hell of a lot to unpack. So <laughs> strap yourselves in, are you ready? The language that we use is super important because although it might not feel like our children listen to us, maybe that's just mine, but <laughs> although it feels like our children do not listen to us, they do, they soak it up. And when I refer to children, this is at any age, by the way. So my children are eight and six. And I feel like it is absolutely not too soon, they're not too young, to learn how to build their body image resilience. You might not call it that at this age, you might not call it body image resilience, you might not even give it a label. It might just be things that you say and things that you do and in the way that you teach them about it. Um, but maybe for older kids, you can teach them and say that, you know, this is part of building your body image resilience and this is why it's really important. Um, so it's never too late, it's never too early to start doing this sort of stuff. The way that you talk about your own body and of course about their body has a massive, massive impact on the way that they will feel, the way that they see their body. So I want to give you an example. When I was growing up, it was the 90s, um, like big chain weight loss companies had just kind of come on the scene. Hello, Weight Watchers. And so there was a lot of talk in my house from various family members about points and about being good and good food and bad food and, you know, being good means to stick to your points or restricting food because it would take you over your point limit. Um, and there's a lot of talk about this kind of payoff where you know, you could restrict your calories in order to have this glass of wine or restrict your calories in order to have this chocolate. And if you did this much exercise, then this would give you more points. So there's that payoff between exercise and food or food and exercise, but then also within different types of food as well. There was also talk about you know, the way that your tummy looks. Not me personally, nobody ever commented on my tummy, but you, this is my example of picking things up. There was always talk about needing to lose the tummy or, you know, my tummy's too big, I'm doing this Weight Watchers thing because my tummy's too big, or I need to lose weight. And so it, this is what I was surrounded with and this is what I picked up. And I took that into adolescence, took it into early adulthood and taught, and I grew up thinking that in order to be healthy, I had to watch what I eat, or in order to be healthy, I had to reduce the number of calories, or you had to do so much exercise in order to eat this type of food. And having a big tummy was something bad. It was something to be avoided. And I learned that losing weight was something to be congratulated. That wasn't explicitly taught to me. Nobody sat me down and told me these things. But nobody sat me down and talked about this. It was what I picked up. So the language you use, even if you think that you're not being listened to, even if your conversation is not for your children or not towards them, be very mindful of the language you use and how you approach food, fitness and health because they're always listening. And what they pick up on now will shape how they see their body and will shape their relationship with their body and food throughout adolescence and early adulthood and probably beyond as well. So the language about your own body has a huge impact on how your children will perceive their own body and how they perceive it to be a good body or a not so good body. They will learn from you. For example, if you are always talking about how you don't like your tummy, how you don't like your rolls or how you don't like your cellulite, or maybe you even don't, maybe you don't even say, I don't like it, 
but you're not kind towards your body. So maybe you're saying that you want to get rid of your tummy or you want to get rid of your cellulite. They're gonna pick up on that. And what they hear is there is something wrong with having rolls, with having dimples, with having cellulite, with having body fat. Therefore, I need to do something about it if it happens to me. Or maybe they see, you know, children have puppy fat, um, have extra fat right into adolescence and in fact young girls when they're when they hit puberty they will put on weight and it is completely natural to become curvier to hold weight more weight on your tummy and your hips and your breasts and your bum um it's just part of puberty so imagine that they have grown up thinking that having rolls or having cellulite is something to be avoided it's something to get rid of because they have heard you say that you want to get rid of yours it's undesirable how are they going to feel when it does happen to them? I'm going to guess that they're not going to like it that much and think that something is wrong with their body and then do the things to try to fix it. So the language that you use around your children about your body is really important. My advice is to not focus on what your body looks like, rather focus on what your body can do. So rather than standing in front of the mirror and grabbing that roll, patting your tummy, saying that it's got to go, you know, oh, this tummy's got to go, smoothing your hands over your skin, oh, I don't like my cellulite, or, you know, whatever it is that you're saying out loud. How about rubbing your hands over your body and telling your children that you appreciate it? Using your stretch marks as an example and say, you know, these are the lines that I've got on my body now because you lived in my tummy and I absolutely love that you lived in my tummy when you were a tiny, tiny baby. Or I'm so proud of my body that it could grow you and it birthed you and now it can give you a big hug and you can bring them into a hug and I'm really proud of what my body does. I'm not saying that you have to love your rolls and you have to love your stretch marks and you have to love your cellulite. I feel like that's really unrealistic for a lot of us. But to work on acceptance and to not say out loud in front of your children that you dislike these things is a massive first step and it can have a really positive impact on your children. And then we've got language around their body. Sometimes you might not even know that you've done it. Maybe you've commented on the size of their tummy. Maybe it wasn't even meant in a good or a bad way, it was just a comment. Personally, my advice is to not comment on the way that their body looks. Comment on how strong they're looking Comment on how fast they can run. Comment on how fast they can swim. What a good swimmer they are. Tell them how good their body is because it's healthy, because it's strong. Um, rather than saying how good their body is because they've got long legs. Or here's a really good example. I was talking to a friend and she was very mindful of the comments her daughter gets. Her daughter's eight and she does gymnastics. And um, she said her daughter gets a lot of comments about having um, visible six pack abs because children, some children don't have a lot of body fat on them and then they do a sport like gymnastics and you can see muscle. So if that little girl is getting comments, positive comments already about how wonderful her abs are, how is she going to feel as she enters puberty and might get a bit more body fat because that's what happens when you enter puberty, especially for girls, and those abs are no longer visible. So it's going to feel really disempowering for her because she hasn't got that anymore but that's not what made her a good gymnast or that's not what made her fit and healthy and strong in the first place. It wasn't the visible abs, it was what she can do. It was the amazing things her body allows her to do. So when we start to talk about our children's body in front of them and focus on what they can do 
rather than how they look, even the positive stuff. They will start to learn that their worth is not they will start to learn that their worth is not tied up in how they look and their ability to do these amazing things, to climb, to jump, to run, to do gymnastics and swim and everything else is not tied up in the way that they look. In a systematic review I read recently, it suggested that 12 to 76% of adolescents, so that's quite broad, but still up to 76% of adolescents have experienced parental comments regarding their weight, shape, size or eating behaviours. It also reported that parents may engage in conversations about weight or shape out of concern. However, the associations of these comments with subsequent problematic psychosocial and eating behaviours are evidenced. So what does this tell us? A systematic review looks at previous studies. It looks at lots and lots of studies and their results and will collate it all and come to its own findings. So in this systematic review, it suggests that up to 76% of adolescents have experienced their parents commenting on their body and that has impacted on their eating behaviours. One of the studies in this systematic review is from Burge et al in 2004 and they recognise that it might be natural for a parent who is concerned about their adolescent weight to engage in conversations about weight and shape and eating. However, what the parent may perceive as a weight concern is also influenced by socio-cultural pressures for thin or muscular ideals and therefore a parent may engage in conversation with an adolescent about their weight and shape and eating that may detrimentally add undue pressure to the child and internalisation of unattainable ideas despite the parent's intentions. So that is taken from this systematic review and what that means is that yes, we have well-meaning conversations with our children and adolescents, but we need to think about the things that we're saying. So rather than talking about how their body looks and trying to help them change the way that their body looks, let's dig deeper instead of talking about the shape and the size of their body and their weight of their body. Let's start having conversations about what it means to be healthy. Let's start having conversations about their blood pressure and their cardiovascular health and other measurements of health rather than their weight and their shape. There are so many other things that we can look at that will not add undue pressure to their body image. Okay, so next I wanted to talk about the language that we use around food. I am 100% guilty of this in the past. I probably still do it sometimes, but I'm very mindful not to, I'm very mindful to try not to do it with my children anymore. But we can often link morality to food. Sounds a bit odd, I know, but bear with me. Have you ever said, or have you heard anyone ever say, oh, no thanks, I won't eat those chippies, I'm being good. Or, oh, go on, I'll be naughty and have a chocolate. And what we've done there is we've linked being good or bad to food. And that's not the case at all, is it? You are not a bad person if you eat chocolate. You are not a good person if you pick the salad off the menu. Morality has nothing to do with food. And using this language around our children, they, I mean, they're going to pick up on that. So when you're talking about being good because you're on a diet or being good because you're eating salad, they're going to think that, well, if you don't eat the salad, then therefore are you bad? And then it leads into food as well. We end up demonising or glorifying certain foods and, and it leads to labelling foods as good or bad. When in fact, food is neither good nor bad. Food is food. 
it's on a spectrum of less nutritious to more nutritious, but there's not a good or a bad food. If you eat a bag of chippies, it is not a bad food. If your diet overall is a healthy diet, so you know, you've got right number, right amount of protein, carbs, healthy fats, you eat your veggies, you eat your fruit, you've got a wide range of grains, seeds, nuts, and then you have a bag of chippies, that's not gonna be a bad food, is it? And so talking about you being good because you've eaten a food, a certain food, or you being bad or naughty because you're eating a certain type of food can then lead on to glorifying certain types of food. I would even go so far as to not use the word healthy or unhealthy food because I feel that it's not one food that is healthy or unhealthy. It's the amount that you eat, it's the amount of time that you eat it for, and also your relationship with that with that food item or food in general. Um, so I think it's actually not helpful to talk about a type of food as healthy or unhealthy, um, and more so it's someone's long-term diet over a long period of time that is either healthy or unhealthy. And actually what we've learned now is saying that a healthy diet is a balanced one. So it's a mixture of all the nutritious food with a little bit of the less nutritious food. That is what is considered a healthy diet. So coming back to language, we've talked about how you talk about your body and how you talk about their body. We've talked about food now, starting to talk about being good or being naughty and then using good or bad as labels for food. I want to move on to now talking about how much you've eaten or how much they've eaten. This isn't an attempt to scare you into what language you should use. It's more of a consideration. So instead of saying you are wrong for using this language or you are right if you use this type of language, um, I'm not the perfect parent by all means. There's no such thing as a perfect parent I know, but I'm absolutely not it. And so this is my experience with the knowledge I have, with the background I have and how I talk to my children about it. I'm sharing it with you if it inspires you awesome. Um, if you think I'm wrong, that's absolutely fine. I'm not here to be right. Um, but commenting on how much your child has eaten is often not helpful. So if you're talking about them eating too much, just be very mindful, especially as a children reach adolescence, about commenting on how much they've eaten. I can remember times from my childhood or from my probably adolescence as when I was a teenager. Um, I think I probably ate quite a lot. And I can remember comments being made on, oh, I can't believe you ate all of that. Not necessarily in a good way or a bad way, but it does stick with you. And then you think that you should eat a small amount. It's kind of been um, culturally acceptable for women to have smaller portions than men. But if we can stop commenting on the portions that our children eat, then we can kind of remove that, um, that cultural norm. It gets a bit tricky when you're trying to get your young children to eat a little bit more and you don't feel like they've eaten enough. But as our children get older, it's probably not that helpful to talk about how much they have eaten when it's on their plate. This also encourages intuitive eating, allowing them to eat until they feel satisfied and allowing them to stop eating when they feel full and they don't want to eat anymore. I feel like this is well out of my area of expertise now. And there are so many more professionals out there who, you know, this is their bag when they talk about um, how to 
encourage your children to have a healthy relationship with food. So I'm skirting around the edge of it. I'm here to help you help your children build their body image resilience. Um, so I'll touch upon that area, but I'm hands up now, like that is not my area of expertise, helping your children to eat intuitively. So moving on to a slightly different tangent now. I, I wear makeup. I've worn makeup for a long time. Um, you know, probably wearing makeup in my teens and then I've always worn makeup. Um, it's only recently in the past, past couple of years, I've actually felt comfortable not wearing makeup if I go out. Probably doesn't happen very often, but I haven't got that pressure. I don't feel like I'm under pressure to look a certain way. I really wish that I'd have had this, this guidance when I was a teenager because I felt like my face had to look perfect. I felt that my worth was very much tied up in the way that I looked. And so when my daughter now asks me why I wear makeup, she'll, you know, I'll be in the bathroom and I'll be putting on makeup and she'll ask me, now what's that? And I'll say, well, it's called concealer or it's called foundation or it's called, you know, whatever it is. And she'll say, why do, what's it for? Why do you wear it? I'm very mindful because she's only eight. I'm very mindful that it's to say it's to cover up freckles or it's to cover up a blemish or it's to cover up dark circles because I don't want her to think that I do not like the way that my face looks and I'm trying to do something to improve it. Deep down, yes, it is. I am trying to look less tired and I am trying to make my lashes look longer and darker and I am trying to cover up a few blemishes or freckles or what I consider imperfections on my face. However, in my mind, I'm telling myself she is eight and she doesn't need to know that I'm not happy with how my face looks. So what I tell her is makeup is, it's like clothes. Sometimes you might feel like wearing really bright colors and expressing yourself in a certain way. And other days, maybe you don't. Maybe you just want to wear joggers and a t-shirt. Same with makeup. Some days I might like to wear this makeup and that's how I want to express myself. It could be fun, it could be funky. Other days, maybe I don't want to wear any makeup and that is absolutely fine, but it doesn't change the way I feel about my face. And I will tell her that I love my face the way it is. My face is the way I look and I get to use my eyes to see her and I get to use my lips to kiss her. And so I make a bit of a, a fun game of it. Um, but I tell her that it doesn't affect how I see my face. My face is my face and I'm proud of it and if I want to wear makeup I can and it depends on how I feel rather than feeling that I have to because I need to look a certain way and, I'm, and I do not look good enough without makeup. And unfortunately that is how I have felt for a very, like most of my life, a very very long time um, and that's something that I'm working on at the moment. Hey, no one's perfect, I'm working through my stuff too and um, I'm here to help you work through your stuff. The same goes for clothes that change the shape of your body. Things like suck it in pants. So yes, they might make that dress look smoother, might help you to fit into your jeans. Um, if you listen to my last episode with Nicole Young, she's a physio, women's health physiotherapist. We talked about the effects that suck it in pants and um, corsets and things like that, waist trainers, things that make your waist look small, um, the effect that that has on pelvic floor. Talking to your children, if they ask, why are you wearing that? Think about your answer. If you're going to say it's to make my tummy look smaller, in their mind, what is wrong with your tummy the way it looks? They're going to think that a bigger tummy is undesirable and it needs to be changed. So again, have a think about your answer. I don't think there's a perfect answer and I don't think I have it. But if we go along the same lines of how we talk about makeup, 
maybe we could use that. So we say, well, I'm wearing these because it helps me wear this dress or it helps me feel more comfortable in these jeans. Have a think about your answer rather than it's to make my tummy look smaller or it's to suck my butt in or it's to make my waist look skinnier, something like that. We need to think about our language, even if, even if it's not entirely true. Our language still can have a massive impact on them. And so we need to make sure that we're using the right language, even if it's not true. Okay, so I've talked about language. Now, how about what we actually do? So perhaps we're now at a stage where we're very mindful of our language. We're not talking about um, disliking our body and we're not talking about food as being good or bad. And, you know, we're not talking about makeup as being a tool for self-improvement. Um, but we're restricting our calories and we're going on diets and, you know, we eat a big meal and the next day we're smashing it out at the gym. What you do also has a massive effect on your children's body image resiliency. They soak it up and they observe. They listen. I know we've talked about this. It might not seem like it, but they do observe and they watch. And so if you're all sitting down to have a meal and you are having this teeny tiny portion or you're not eating the same foods as they are, they will notice. So have a think about the example that you're setting in what you do, not just how you talk about things, not just your language. Think about what you do, because if you're restricting your food and your calories and if you're going on diets to lose weight and if you're weighing yourself in the bathroom every morning and they are watching that they are going to grow up thinking that that is normal and that is also what they should do now instead of hiding it from them how about changing your behavior instead of hiding the behavior how about changing the behavior think about what healthy actually is and is weighing less equal to healthy it's not not in my book, not in a lot of people's books. Reducing your cholesterol, reducing your blood pressure, looking after your mental health, making sure you're eating fruits and veggies and drinking enough water, getting enough sleep, exercising every day. That can improve your health. Reducing the weight on the scales doesn't necessarily mean that that is healthy. Which kind of comes around to my next point in educating your children on what healthy actually means. Educating them is one of the best ways that you can build their body image resilience because where are they gonna get it from otherwise? There's not always helpful information on social media. Very rarely will they get helpful information from social media when it comes to being healthy. Often it will be about losing weight, looking good, having a six pack, especially with boys when they reach the teenage years, they feel that they should look muscular and strong and they should look a certain way. And girls, they feel that they should have a small waist, big boobs, smooth skin. That is not what healthy is. They are unrealistic beauty standards. So what we can do is educate our children on what healthy means. Educate them on the diverse range of bodies and how this diverse range of bodies, they do not look the same. They can look completely different, but they can all be healthy. I was having this conversation actually this morning with someone at school and she commented on me and she said, you're obviously the, the perfect example of what putting in the work and putting the effort looks like. And my response, I wasn't caught off guard so much this time. My response was, mm, 
you know, it's not always the way that we look. I could look this way and actually I might be really unhealthy. Like I could have this really unhealthy relationship with food. I might not be eating well, but I look healthy. And I said that there were people at my gym who had more body fat than me, maybe didn't have muscles on show, but they were so much stronger than me and could lift so much more weight on their barbell than me and still have a very healthy body, but look nothing like me. So we want to teach our children this. We want to teach them that healthy doesn't mean skinny. Healthy does not mean weight loss. Healthy doesn't mean having visible abs or biceps or having a low body fat percentage. We want to teach them that healthy is having a normal blood pressure range. It means having normal levels of cholesterol. It means having good heart health and it means looking after our mental health and getting enough sleep good liver function. So there are so many other measurements of health other than just looking a certain way and being a certain weight. And I feel like education goes such a long way into teaching our children what to expect as they grow up because they might not even look like us. So I'm aware that I fit into what society, I, if you'd put me in a box of what society deems as healthy, the way that I look, I would fit into that box but my children might not grow up looking the same as me. That does not mean that they're going to be not healthy. So yes, I'm trying to be a good example to them, but I want them to know that that example does not set, it doesn't settle in the way that I look. The example I'm setting is the way that I look after my health and the way that I talk about my body and the way that I see what healthy is. That is the example that I'm setting for them. And we want to teach our children this as well, that they might not necessarily look like us or they might not necessarily look like their friends or the celebrities that are on Instagram, but that doesn't mean that they're not healthy. Teach them what is healthy. It's really important. So we've touched on social media a little bit. Not, I mean, this isn't applicable to my children. Um, they are absolutely not on social media yet. That scares me. <laughs> I'm... I feel like I am only just building the resiliency to feel confident in my skin after scrolling through social media. So it scares me to think that one day they will want to be on some form of social media, whatever it is in the future. But if you have teenagers or, you know, tweens and they're coming into adolescence, they are going to be looking at what other people are doing on social media. And that might be their friends. It might be celebrities. It might be influencers. As a parent, you can curate what they see. So you can go through with them. And I don't mean going through and taking privileges away and blocking the things that they like, but go through with them, look at who they follow and educate them around what is helpful, what is not helpful. Ask them how that content makes them feel because if it leaves them feeling that their body is not good enough, then it's probably not the page for them to follow or the influencer for them to follow. You can also talk about what they're, you can also call out the bullshit that you see on social media. So of course, as they're scrolling, they're going to come across adverts and these adverts might be for slimming pills, weight loss pills, um, cellulite cream. I don't know. It depends what the algorithm thinks that they want to see, <clears throat> but you can help call out the bullshit. So you can say, well, this before and after picture, look how this after picture is in a different lighting and look how this after picture has been edited or tell them why before and after pictures actually aren't helpful because your body is so much more than a before and after picture.
you can also go through and teach them how images are edited. So tell them about editing tools, although I'm guessing they probably know a lot more about it than maybe we do, especially teenagers. But ask them, do they use editing apps? Do they edit their photos when they put them on social media? Do they realize that influencers' pictures and videos are edited and that the damage that these filters can cause go far beyond just your body image. So you could ask them how do they feel about their real face and their real body in the mirror after they've been using filters and image editing apps on their own body. Does it make them feel like their body is not good enough or their face is not good enough unedited? And these are the conversations that you can have around just looking through their social media feed and who they follow and helping them to curate what they see on social media. If you are at this point thinking, well, I have no idea how to help them with this, like I don't know how to do that myself, I don't know about editing tools, this is the kind of information that is in the Body Resilient Mum project. This is part of one of the modules that I cover is about how to pick apart and how to critique what you see in the media. And here is the golden bit because then you learn it and then you teach your children. This wasn't a pitch for the Body Resilient Mum project. Um, like I said at the beginning, the aim was to let you leave this episode this week with tools and some ideas and inspiration in how you can build your children's body image resilience. But if you're struggling, one of those tools is the Body Resilient Mum Project um, because I've got all this information in there. So not only can you help yourself with your own body image resiliency, but you can pass that on to your children, which I think is absolute priceless. Okay, um, I promise, promise it's not a sales pitch. I want to talk about linking food as a reward for a behavior. So using food to kind of reward a good behavior, maybe, you know, they've tidied their room. I mean, we're talking about smaller kids here, but maybe they've tidied the room and they're like, oh, okay, let's go out for ice cream. Or you can have this lolly if you do X, Y, Z. Again, this is kind of verging on being out of my realm of expertise because we're talking about children's nutrition and the behavior around that nutrition. However, I feel like it's really important to bring up now because then what it looks like as you go into adulthood is, well, you went to the gym this morning, well done you, so you can have those glasses of wine later on. Or you did that 10K run and so you can have the burger now and the chippies now. And the problem here is that we get into this cycle then of rewarding exercise or rewarding a type of behavior with a type of food. And then it glorifies this type of food. So it's put on a pedestal and we think, I need to do something amazing to be able to eat that food. And then if we do eat it, because maybe we wanted the chippies, maybe you know we wanted the crunch, we wanted the saltiness and we really fancy some chippies, then there's the guilt behind it because what did you do to earn those chippies? Well, you didn't do anything amazing, so therefore you shouldn't be eating them. So you can see how the guilt kind of sets in and it's all because it was based on this reward system. So I'm not, a per I'm gonna say it again, I'm not the perfect parent. I do not know it all and I do not have all my ducks in a row, but this is what I do with my children and I try I might mess up sometimes, but I 99.9% .9 of the time, I don't use food as a reward. If they want the food, so the lollies or the chippies, then I let them have them, providing it's not gonna ruin their dinner. And you know, it's, I'm pretty sensible with that. I'm not, I'm not a complete free and loose parent. 
I make sure that it's not linked to a good behavior or a type, you know, some sort of behavior that needs rewarding or should be rewarded or, you know, congratulated. And this then encourages a healthy relationship with food because food then isn't related to a behavior. So we learn, they learn to incorporate all sorts of food, the less nutritious food, alongside the more nutritious food. Finally, one of the most powerful things that we can do when we're talking about building our children's body image resilience is leading by example. So if we think about all the things we've talked about so far, like the language that you use about your body and their body, and the language you use around food or eating food as being good or bad or naughty or um, being good, you know, demonizing or glorifying certain foods and commenting on how much they've eaten. We talk about makeup, um, the things that you do like diets and exercise, um, educating your children and curating what they see on social media. Everything that you, that we've talked about needs to be led by example. And that's where you come in. So yes, there's the education around it, but you actually need to do the things we can't as parents, when we're talking about body image, we can't say, do as I say, not as I do. We need to lead by example. And again, if you are struggling with your body image and you just don't know how to lead by example because you're human and we've been brought up in a time when smaller is seen as healthy and good and losing weight is seen as something to be congratulated. And we're held to unrealistic beauty standards which are getting more and more unrealistic now that social media is so widely used and we have things like AI images. Gosh, I haven't even touched on that yet. Um, artificial intelligent images that aren't even real humans that we are now holding ourselves against in comparison. And if you're left thinking, well, I don't know how to lead a good example when it comes to body image because my own body image is so negative or so damaged then take a look at the Body Resilient Mum project because all the things that I've talked about with your, the language that you use and what you do having a, such a big effect and how to educate your children and curating what they see on social media, it is all in the Body Resilient Mum project. And so not only can you help yourself and improve your own body image, but you can then teach your children, especially your daughters, in how to build their body image resilience. And sometimes you don't even have to label it as you're working on your body, their body image resilience, or you're going to teach them this. You can just incorporate it into your day-to-day -day life and it doesn't have to be this big thing because when you start to lead by example, they soak it up. You might not even know that they're learning from you, but they're watching and they're listening and they start to soak it up. So start doing the things that you're going to, that you want them to do. Exercise and eat for health not to shrink your body and to lose weight, not to change the shape or the size of your body. It's a fine line between body autonomy and building body image resilience and being anti-weight loss. So I want to say I'm not anti-weight loss. The beautiful thing about living in this day and age is that we do have body autonomy and you can do what you want with your body. And if you wanted to lose weight, you can lose weight. There's, it's, I'm not saying that you shouldn't. What I do want you to think about is why do you feel that you do need to lose weight? And if it's to look a certain way, then maybe we can readdress or maybe you can have a look at why it is that you feel you need to be smaller or, or look a certain way. And if it's to feel healthier, can you have a think about other things as well as weight loss? I'm not saying throw it out the window completely, 
But are there other things that you could also look at other than weight that would help improve your health, like your cholesterol? Do you know if your blood pressure is healthy? Do you know what your fitness is like, your cardiovascular fitness? So there are so many other things that you can incorporate with weight loss, if that is what you really want to do, to be healthier and to show your children what it actually means to have a healthy body. And that also includes looking after your mental health. So it's so, it can feel so complicated and so complex because there are so many layers. There is a lot of depth to this, but when we can take weight out of the equation and doing all these things to change the shape and weight and size of our body, it kind of makes those layers feel a lot more simple. So to summarize, there are lots of things that we can do to help our children build body image resilience. For older children, we might want to sit down and actually say that you want to help them build their body image resilience. For younger children, probably don't even, even have to mention it, but you can do these things sneakily. You can start to talk a different way about your body, about their body. Um, and regardless of your children's age, leading by example is the most powerful way that you can build their body image resilience because they are always watching and they are always listening. If you would like more help, with building your own body image resilience, I have a free resource at the moment, um, which is super exciting because it's the lead up to Christmas. Um, and if you feel that on the lead up to Christmas and around the Christmas period, you generally feel pretty shitty about your body. Everyone's in the pool, everyone's at the beach, everyone seems to be eating and drinking. Are you feeling torn between wanting to enjoy yourself and eat the, eat the Christmas foods? and then feeling that you can't wear your swimwear to the beach or you're feeling really uncomfortable and then you feel guilty because your kids want to play with you but you're not joining in because you either don't want to get in the photo or you don't want to be in your swimmers, don't want to get in the pool with them, then this resource is for you. There are six easy steps that you can follow, almost like a checklist. You can go through and go, yep, check, done that, yep, check, done that. Um, and you can have a go at building your body image resilience in time for Christmas. And if you like that, if that information was helpful in that, in that free resource, then you can join the Body Resilient Mum Project, which is a six lesson online course specifically for mums and specifically helping you to improve your body image go check out the links in the show notes and if you have questions you can get my email address also in the show notes thanks for listening if you've enjoyed what you've heard make sure you hit follow wherever you listen to your podcasts rate and review so that more mums can start to challenge societal norms when it comes to what their body should look like for further information on what I've covered in this episode or to connect with me in person, head to the link in the show notes. You'll also find the link to enroll in my online course, The Body Resilient Mum Project. Until next time, bye for now.